Well, I'm a samurai now, so cool. Yes, yes. <laughs> I had to pick this one too. It was oh, but it it was nice that it was the most comfortable one. Yeah. What's the? So it's we'll, a little hotter though because it's got the inner lining. So when you're training, you're gonna it's feel a, it's a little hotter, which is fine because you're you're sweating, and cutting weight anyway. So it's actually good. Yeah, it is. It performs <laughs> a little different because it has like the rash inner lining. It's almost like a rash guard on the inside. Oh, really? Same material. Huh? What What yeah. is it made? What is it made of? Like, uh, what's the? So what's three fifty GSM pearl weave. Okay. Yeah. And what does that mean? That's just the quality. There's different cuts. Okay. We're talking about geese, so. so the so the geese is the it's three fifty GSM pearl weave pre shrunk. Okay. So you don't ever want to put it in the dryer. No. You just wash it, hang dry it. Okay. Yeah. The pants I'm going to give you are cotton. They're not ripstop. Okay. Uh, what, I find what, with the I find with the cotton, uh, you have more room for flexibility. The ripstop or you know. Ripstop is pretty much what the BDU pants are made out of for like military. Okay. When you look closely at the at the fabric, you'll see that they have like the lines going across. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? No. No. Okay. People watching this will know. <laughs> so there's a difference with the ripstop. They don't stretch. They don't move. Okay. So more durable will last a lot longer. But when you're, for me at least, when I compete, I feel very restricted in those pants because they don't flex. Whereas the cotton. They give you a, a flexibility. You don't feel so restricted. Oh, okay. So I prefer cotton over ripstop, but a lot of people prefer the other way. Huh. So I make both. What? Why? Why do they prefer the other way? Like when it's uh, when it. So you have just durability and longevity. Oh, okay. So yeah. they don't care about the movement too much. They're just like. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you compete in jujitsu. Yes. Oh. Well, you further. What's what? What color of belt? I'm a purple belt. Purple. Yeah. Cool. How long does it how long does it take to to get there? How does that I work? mean everybody's on their own individual journey, man. So uh I know for me it's been about a little over six years. Okay. Yeah. I was a white belt. So I'll tell you my story. I started down in uh Coconut Creek, Florida at the headquarters of American Top Team. I did uh I trained there for about a year. Okay. You familiar? Uh, well, we started, well, the gym's no longer American Top Team, but that's uh, where I started earlier this year was with them. Yeah, we Fantastic. started to train uh, because of her at um, Atlas. It's um, now Atlas. Atlas yeah. training yeah. team in Fort Lauderdale. They're great. They're absolutely great. Yeah. Yeah, phenomenal. So um, I trained there for about a year. It was actually a little over a year. Professor uh, Bruno Bruninho. Okay. He's, uh, he was my first professor. A few other guys in there, Alton Balbosa. Um, all top, top level, top level black belts. Amazing. Um, I relocated up north and uh, for work purposes, and I joined under uh, Hanato Taveras Association. Okay. And on Hanato Taveras, who is my master, I trained with one of his black belts for the last six, six and a half years, and I just recently switched gyms. I was a White belt for two and a half years, and I was a blue belt for almost four years. Is that a... Uh, and a, I've been a purple belt a little over a year now. And then how... What's I the think that's one? the right math, right? I don't know. Six and a half, seven years, yeah. I'm not good at math. Me neither. <laughs> I was a cop. I need to write so it down. We're, we're not mathematicians. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
So uh, uh, and now I just I switched over uh, to uh, another gym. Okay. Uh, it was just my time to move on. You know when it's your time. How do um, you know? You just know. You just you know. You were ready for. I felt that. Yeah, I felt I wasn't progressing. I felt uh, a whole bunch of feelings. So it was time for me to move, and it's actually one of my friends' gyms. He. He's pretty new. He opened up, uh, I think he's going on his second year, so he's still building. Okay. And at the time when I needed to make the decision to move gyms, I had options. I had quite a few options, but I, I narrowed it down to two options. And one gym was also a friend of mine, but he was bigger, more established, larger team. Um, and my gym now, the reason why I made the decision is I felt that would be of more value. More white belts, more blue belts. You know, so I'd be able to help them, help him, you know, teach oh, okay. and help the and new guys cool. come up. So yeah. the way you and help, felt help to build the team. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so the way the way you felt like you would provide more value, more was, value. it was not even to, for you to to improve. Like as a, you wanted to improve as a teacher, so you could improve. Correct. Oh, okay. Correct. So that was my deciding factor. Where where am I going to be of more value, and and where am I going to be happier? So. Oh, okay. So you kind of you kind of shifted in 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 the way you were seeing yourself. Like you mean in in more like a like a teacher kind of. Well, I, I am a teacher. I've been a teacher for years. So, but we we'll get into that. But yeah. Um. So, and in 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 in, in jujitsu, you are a teacher. Yeah. So, and you're gonna notice that as you progress through your journey, uh, every new person that comes in or every role that you have with somebody, you're always learning from each other, and you're always teaching each other. So not only are you the student, but you are the professor. And this is the beautiful thing about it. That's cool. I didn't see it that way. I was just um, so, like, caught in, in what I need to do yeah. right now because like, I don't I know nothing. Yeah, you're just getting <laughs> smashed right now probably. <laughs> I don't. I just don't, getting I'm your not, ass I'm, beat every which way you look. It's I'm, normal. I'm too new that I don't even roll. Yeah. Because I, I need to get to 10 class. Oh, okay, so they put you to 10, 10 classes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, before, before rolling. So that's good. I like 10, it. Some do 10, some do 3. Yeah. I like the 10 cuz cuz I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. So it's good because I need, you know, I need the base. To so once you start rolling, you're going to get your ass beat. Of course, yeah, I and figured. It, it's going to be like that for uh close to a year. Nice. So, most people don't make it. <laughs> most people quit. So far it's nice. I don't know. It's cool. I I bought some boxing we're, gloves. We're definitely the one percenters, man. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Because I bought some boxing glove yesterday, and it's for, I was so happy about the fucking purse. I didn't even pay for it. They they gave me credit. I forgot my 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 wallet because I was like, I, I went to the thing and I, I I forgot to buy the gloves, and I was like, oh shit, I need to buy the gloves. And, and then so they had some pair over there. I wanted to buy it from there anyway. So but I didn't have my wallet. So and but they, they gave me the credit, and it was cool. But I was super happy. All class, I was like, oh look at my new gloves. Yeah. <laughs> So you're doing kickboxing and jujitsu? No, so we did. I so okay. So the I can go on Monday, and I think Monday is um, is a, a boxing and jujitsu with gi, mm -hmm. um, and Tuesday is is uh, Muay Thai and jujitsu no gi. But it's cool. It's cool because I can do Muay Thai at six thirty, and then the beginner class for jujitsu is right after seven thirty. Yeah, so yeah. seven forty-five. So I get so I get there and I I can do both. Nice. Yeah, so nice. that's cool. So. I you know I feel like I learn a little bit faster that way, but it's nice to do like it's a good workout too. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I, you don't want to fuck with anybody after that. You're like, ah, oh, it's cool, man. Yeah, so I started in I started doing MMA and uh, and kickboxing. Okay, 
And when I joined American Top Team, you know, for for the unlimited fee, monthly fee, you get the kimono, you get the gi, right? And I was like, whatever, you know, I, I wasn't really even interested in jujitsu. I just wanted to fight. So I was doing MMA, I was doing kickboxing, and every night that I would leave, I would I would walk by the mats and I'd see everybody kind of rolling around. And, yeah. you know, at that time, my ego was like, you know, I was in my head thinking that I was the baddest thing around and that, you know. Every guy tends to You know, that, we, right? we think that, right? So <laughs> and I can fuck anybody up. And I'm like, what are these, I'm like, what are these fucking people doing rolling around on the mat with each other? You know, like, I was so, like, naive to it, you know. Bunch of pussies. Yeah. Like, <laughs> shit seems weak. But uh, this, is, this is how I thought, man. And looking back on it, I was like, man. Unbelievable, but uh, so one night I decided, let me let me try this. Let me see what this is about. Okay, you know, because it seemed like everybody was always smiling. They were always happy, right? Even though they they were sweating, they were getting getting a good workout. So uh, that night I put the gi on, stepped on the mat, and the professor knew right away. He saw he saw my ego. He saw that he's like, all right, they know, right? Yeah, they- he knew. He's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, we're gonna put this guy in check. So he's like, you. You go with him. And him was like 135 pounds, like 25 years old. And he beat the shit out of me. Much, so much smaller than you are. Yeah. And at that time, I, like right now I'm, I'm 185, but at that time I was big. I was like 228. Oh, shit. Yeah, I, okay. was, I was big. So, and then how I mean, tall not, are you? not huge, but I was, you know, I was pretty stocky. I'm 5'9". It's a fi- okay. Yeah. So, uh, so, I mean, I was much bigger than this kid. Yeah. And he beat the shit out of me. <laughs> he made me tap probably six times. We get up. We end that roll. He's like, all right, now you go with her. Girl. She choked me out. Wrist lock, <laughs> wrist lock me. Arm barred me. Triangled me. And, you know, I was immediately humbled, man. Immediately humbled. And from that day, I have not stopped training jiu-jitsu. It's wild, eh? I have not stopped. And my e- my ego, gone. Yeah, yeah. Because it's the last th- is the last line of defense. Like, it's cool. Because all right. So I don't know if it's this if it's like this for you, but for me it's like this. I always, I, I always I was I always played football. I was a little bit bigger with than 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 everyone everyone, and I I'm, I'm I always was a little bit cocky. Um, but you know, like I, I learned after a while that you know if you're too cocky, then then people don't like you. So you got to be nice too. Like even so. <laughs> And I never was afraid of, you know, anybody or because I, I like to, I don't want to fight. Like, I don't, I, you're not going to have a problem with me. Right. So like, right. Unless you hit me, th- we don't have a problem. Right, right, right. So I never was worried about that. But then lately I was like, okay, well maybe I need to know a little bit more than nothing. So I can, you know, even so if, if, if nothing, ha- if something happened at some point, at some point, I want to be able to do something about it. You know, so I decided to start training, and she was training at that gym. So I was like, "Cool, let me let me just. You want to do that? Okay, cool. I wanted to do this too, and then that was just a cool motivation to to start. And uh, started two weeks ago. It's nice, but I realized that I know absolutely anything. And 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 it, it's probably the best decision you've ever made in your life for yourself. And and you'll see what I mean as you progress, because. For someone that doesn't train a lot, when I start to explain this, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But for the people that are listening that do train, they know. The lessons that you learn on the mat 
translate into life? Like what? Patience, humility, the ability to manage stress, the ability to be put in tough situations and be able to come out of it. When you think that you can't go any further, you have a whole lot more in the tank. Like these are just some That's of the small, true, these are just That's- some of the small lessons that are going to translate. But when we talk about jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu, yeah. If you ask me what is it for me, it's my happy place. It's my therapy. It's my uh, therapy not only for stress management, but for mental health, for emotional health, for camaraderie. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of reasons why I do it. It is, and, nice, and, and there's a lot of people that would agree with me that feel the same way. As you progress and you start to do this for years, you're going to start to really see the benefits. Like I am 150 percent a better human being because I study Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. That is a hundred percent fact. I hold myself better. I treat people better. So it's very, very powerful. It's very powerful. It is nice though, because it. And also with what you were saying about the the sense of camaraderie, is that the, the word? Camaraderie, yeah. Camar- I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> the sense of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's cool to have a bunch of guys that you see like a you know a few times a week and and you work out you work hard with. Yeah. It's nice. It's just nice. It's just as guys you were built that way. It's cool. We suffer together and then, uh, for some reason we become friends. Yeah. We're like, all right, I I know you. And another amazing thing is that all these people that you meet are from all different walks of life. You could be you could be rolling with an ex-gang member, you could <laughs> be rolling with a lawyer, a doctor, a construction guy, a small business owner, a Mid- CEO of a major company. But when we're all on the mat and we're all wearing our gi or no gi, yeah. We're just a bunch of dudes, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We're rolling around like a bunch of idiots, you fighting each other, trying to fucking choke each other out, rip each other's <laughs> arms off, right? And everybody's happy, man. Yeah. Like, that. that's the beauty of it. It's true. And, it's it's and, pretty cool. And the main thing for me is that that is the time when I am 100% in the present moment. Is the only one? 100% in the present moment is when I train jiu-jitsu. Meaning that all of life's worries, stresses, thinking of the future, thinking of the past, it's not there. 100% in the moment. Nice. How am I going to attack? How am I going to defend? Right? Thinking like chess, five steps ahead. Right? Always in the moment. 100%. And that's how it's very, very therapeutic and very... uh Very balancing. You understand what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> kind of. It is hard. You will. Kind of. Yeah. I'll tell you what I learned this week. Right? Second week. <laughs> I don't mean to get all philosophical on you. It's but, not you know. the. You, no, but he's, he's right. It's like a recentering, essentially. Absolutely. But, but trust Absolutely. me. It just, it just it puts you right where you need to be, man. But trust me, the thing that I found is this, out is, this is, mine? is yeah. beginner level. It's, it's very, very beginner level. So I found out that. There's some guys that for some reason don't wear um, um, tights, compression tights under. They call spats, yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. under um, their shorts. So I was rolling with one. Under oh Wait, under their no-gi shorts? Yeah. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah. So did you get a, fa- did you get a face full of balls? What happened? I was lucky, but <laughs> but I felt it on my leg. I was like, bro. Oh man. Well, I guess that's better than being teabagged. You know. <laughs> I was feeling his dick. I'm like, <laughs> she just gifted him some shorts. Oh yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, get him cool. some briefs, man. I was like, okay. I, I <laughs> I didn't want to say anything, but yeah, it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird, right? Yeah. It's like, dude, you gotta. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, anyway, so I, yeah, it, see, philo- philosophical, and um, sometimes guys don't wear briefs under the shorts. So they, they need to. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're I probably would have choked his ass out, but that's just me. Yeah, I'm just, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh. I would have been like, hey, bro, we need to have a talk, you know. Uh, he, he seemed new. What's the matter, bro? Your balls are on my leg. Like, come on, man. Like, if, wear some fucking briefs or something. Or go on my go on my site and buy yourself some fucking spats. You'll be all right. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit. It was cool though. He was a cool, he was a cool kid. Cool man. You so what? Yeah. So you started this business a couple of a couple. You know, few few months ago. Uh, no, this no. Year. I, uh, yeah. Been a, almost two years now. Okay. Yeah. So uh, working on scaling right now, just scaling it up. Uh, have a Shopify store and specialize in geese, kimonos, rash guards, MMA shorts, and uh, T-shirts. Nice. This, one here. this is uh, wrist lockers don't go to heaven. Oh, that's cool. So if you've ever been a wrist lock before, you'll understand what that means. I haven't. Okay. It sucks. It sucks? Oh, yeah. How does that work? And I love fucking wrist locks. I go for them. Every chance I can. Really? Yeah. How do you get it? How do you? Is there? You want me to wrist lock you right now? No, is no. But can you like? Me? Can you like show it? You can it get. On... You can get it from anywhere. Huh? Yeah. And it's painful. It's very painful. Damn it! You could win fights. You know, you're in a tournament. You wrist lock somebody like that. Does and that? You, and usually you'll get what they call the verbal tap. Because <laughs> they'll be like, ah, <laughs> done. Yeah, it's beautiful. We, okay, so if 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 sometimes they'll 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 stop the fight if. Uh, so you have if you tap. Yeah. Or if you verbal tap. Oh, okay. So like if I got you in a wrist lock and you kind of yelped. And I yelled. That would be you'd be done. Like ah. Oh. Yep. Huh. And that, that's exactly how it sounds. Yeah. So how did you start, uh, or why did you start this? Where you're selling. Kind of the Wh- why did I start? Yeah. Because I just want to put out quality stuff to uh, quality products, you know, to uh, jujitsu practitioners, man, at an affordable price. It's very you know? expensive, typically, or and you just like the quality. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for you know, when we're when we're looking at geese, you know, any of these huge brands that are out there, I mean, you're looking at 150 in excess of 150 dollars per gee. So you want to make something quality that's actually accessible. accessible yeah, because if you yeah. train, a, if you train a couple of times a week, or or Maybe you need two or whatever. Like at some point, you're gonna need. Yeah, more exactly. Than one. Exactly. I mean, if you saw my closet, you would think I was insane. But I have quite a few. I have like a whole section of just geese. I don't know where they came from. They've just accumulated. Well, if over you started, time. if you started a business selling ghee, I'm, I'm assuming that you saw a problem in. The yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, the the basic, uh, well, not the basic, but the 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 white and blue. Yeah. One is uh, for training. One is for competition. Okay. And then the black one is a special edition. The blue and whites, 
And we can make the black one without the special edition on the inside. So you have black, blue, or white. Those are 99. And then the special edition Samurai is 120. Nice. So. Cool. And then obviously we run sales and stuff, so you'll be able to get it for 99. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll set that up. We, we can, we yeah, can yeah. Uh, help you uh, yeah. sell on, on our things as well. And then the T-shirts. Um, I brought a whole bag of what we, uh, what we carry. Yeah. Um, $35 a shirt. Okay. And I'll show you what they feel like so you can get an idea because these are, I don't know about you, but I'm very, uh, I like soft quality yeah. on my skin yeah. and I like cotton. It's nice. Right? It's nice. Right? So. Do you wear so these that. when you're training or this is? No, I wear these like. No, just out about. Yeah. Okay. So this is our let's roll. Cool. I feel it. Got the logo, inside logo. Feel it. Feel soft. It is soft. Look. Do you offer women's too? Or yeah. Nice. Super tight. <laughs> He's in a triangle armbar. <laughs> if you can't see that. <laughs> nice. Cool. Soon you'll be in that position all the time. You got huh? a triangle? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and if you go on the site, you'll see the rest. But uh, these two are the most popular. Let's roll and wrist lockers don't go to heaven. Yeah. Um, so I'll let you pick one out before we leave. Oh, nice. Cool. Another Thanks. Gift, another gift for you. Nice. So How um, how did you get that st that started? Like, why why did you want to start? You saw you, you – was it just because it was expensive? Just no, well, that and, and it's just that uh, this is something I'm passionate about, something I love to do, so, and I want to put out quality stuff for uh, for the community, you know, at an affordable price. Yeah. That's pretty much what it is, yeah. Nice. I was wondering, <coughs> how do you know Lewis? Who? Lewis. How do I know Lewis? Yeah. So he is he is my fiance's uh, brother. He's my brother, my future brother-in-law. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Wait, Lewis, our marketing guy. Yeah. 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 Small world. Yeah, That's small nice. World. Well, yeah. Okay. Because so we're pretty much all family at this he, point. He he, he introduced. <laughs> 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 yeah, because I remember he introduced me, and I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, but I, I he's didn't. like, Jay, man, you got to get on the, on his podcast, man. Come on, man, get on his podcast. I'm like, you sure? He's like, yeah, man. Come on, you're gonna fucking kill it. I'm like, all right, I'll get on it, bro. Yeah, He's great, Lewis. Is great. Oh yeah, he's great. That was the craziest thing, man. Because I we play we played football together in yeah, he, in he Quebec. Yeah, yeah. In Cijap, like twelve years ago. Yeah. Did, what, what position did you play? Uh, receiver. I would play okay. wide receiver. I played linebacker. Nice. Yeah. Coming up, and then uh, it's a funny story, man. Because I played a lot of soccer. So I played I played football. I played ice hockey. I played lacrosse. Okay. All contact sports. Lacrosse is a cool sport. Yeah, no, I never played, sport, but it, it looks so cool. So violent, man. I <gasps> fucking love it. Yeah. <laughs> it was fucking it was nasty. I played attack. What does that? A, I see a pattern in the sports that you like. Yeah, I like yeah. combat sports. Well, so. lacrosse is kind of cool, though. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. It's We don't have that in Created Canada. by the Native American Indians, lacrosse. Yeah, because they were, was it because they were fighting like in the in that style or something just, like that? Or? I don't know the history, but I know I know that it was a game that they played. Oh, it was a game. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That must have been cool. Badass. So yeah, I mean, you're getting hit with the sticks, you're getting poked with the sticks. The ball is like solid. So I played attack. So there's uh, your goal's a triangle, right? You got goalies with the big 
big stick. Then it's you got, bigger. Then you got your defenders that have like six foot long sticks, so they're able to wing that ball up to the midfielders. Oh, okay, so the sticks are not all the same. No, and then you have your oh. your, your midfielders, just like soccer that we call middies, and then you have your attacks. And your attacks are pretty much behind, let's say, enemy lines, right? So your middies get the ball, and they, they throw it up to the attack, and the attack shoots and tries to score. That's kind of the organization of lacrosse. But, so uh, like soccer a little bit? Kind of like soccer. It's like a mix between soccer, football, and ice hockey because you're checking people. Yeah, yeah you're, it's, you're, you're, you tackle you're, people oh, and you're everything. Leveling, yeah, you're yeah. leveling people, yeah. Yeah, you're poke checking them with the stick. You're, huh. you're whacking the stick out of them. It's, it's, no pen- it's pretty no penalty, like like. Uh, I mean, there is, but a little bit. Yeah, you're not, yeah. You're yeah. Not trying to cut his health, but cut it his head, his head. Well, you are, but try not to make it look like that. Yeah, oh. yeah. It's it's violent, man. It's it's good though. It's a good sport. So um. So yeah, I I played those sports, and then so the 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 story that I was trying to get to. So I played a lot of football. I played a lot of soccer as well. So one day I'm screwing around on the field, and I'm like, "Hey man, put the uh, put the tee up for the ball. Let me try to kick a field goal." And I kick this field goal, and the coach is like, "You're you're a kicker now." <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit." Man. <laughs> Kicker is always so the bye, so bye bye team. yeah bye bye to linebacker. <laughs> now I'm the fucking kicker, <laughs> and I want a lot of games kicking, man. So nice. Well, yeah. the kicker is well, it, the, the kicker position in football is one of the most interesting position in yeah. all of sports. They win games, man. So in all, it's so you important. Know. Oh yeah, it's huge. It's so Im- huge, and asset. it's always the weirdest guy that doesn't seem to be there to 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 be able to hang out with the team or whatever. Like sometimes. <laughs> I had kicker that was fat. I had kicker like no, that was. No, man, I was in shape, dude. dude. It's just I, when had I, was good, pl- I had a good soccer kick, man. When man, I was like, playing fuck. in college, our kicker in Ottawa was five foot four. I was a little guy, yeah. He played in the CFL. <laughs> he wow. was so fucking good. <laughs> Holy shit. Man. He was super good. Nice. But he was small dude. Like, you could never imagine he was one of the most important guy on the football team. Yeah. You could never guess that. But s- such a cool guy. But the kicker is the the weirdest one is was was what the one that we had. Ask Luis next time you see Luis, ask about kicker at at, at <laughs> <laughs> in Quebec. <laughs> it was ah oh, cool dudes though. It was so fun. Yeah man. Yeah. yeah. So you, where where did you play? Where did I play? Yeah, just high school, or did you play in college? Or yeah, I played junior high and high school. Nice. Yeah. So nice. And then were you better at soccer or, or football? Like, wh- which one do you like the most? Soccer. Why? I, I mean, I, I can't remember when I started playing. I was so little, man. Really? It's just that what I played growing up, that and, and hockey, ice hockey. So. See, I'm probably the only Canadian that doesn't skate. Yeah. So from what my mother told me, I don't know if it's a bunch of bullshit, but, I mean, she said at the age of two, she put me on the ice. So Maybe she did. She said that I, I... It was because she dropped you. Oh, I, I, I dropped myself. I mean, she said I went, I fell, I went, I fell, fell a few more times, and then that was it. I got the hang of it. Huh. So, yeah. Been what, skating all my life. When was that? Play, like, played uh, a lot of hockey what growing year? up. What year, what year was that, like, when you started to skate? How well, if I was two, it was probably 84, 1984. 84. Yeah, so yeah. the theory that she dropped you the first time and then you started to go is kind of it works, right? In the eighties, mom were a little bit looser. With oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just, 
fucking crazy it is now, man. It's I don't know what's I don't know which, which one is better. I prefer it that way. You prefer it that way? Yeah. Why? Yeah. It was just uh more normal, man. You know, things See, are things are kind of getting out of control now. Seems you know? like it's it's yeah. a little bit weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. What were you doing before um before the the gi business? Uh so I was a police officer for 10 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Were you doing something else or as far as business? Yeah. So I've always yeah, I've always been an entrepreneur. So uh I have also a firearms training company. I've had mm. that since 2012. Yep. It's called All American Firearms Academy. Nice. You can check that out at allamericanfirearmsacademy.com. So how does that work? I put on courses, anything from uh basic pistol shooting courses to advanced courses, private lessons. What do you what do you do? Weapons permit courses. But what do you do in the, in the basic uh, the first one that you said the basic uh, course cha- uh, challenge or something the first course that you give like to the basic with the handgun. So for a basic pistol course, we would go over you know basic gun safety would be part classroom. Okay. Teach them about gun safety, range rules, stuff like that, and then getting them out on the range, we would teach them you know the fundamentals of pistol shooting. So sight alignment, sight picture, trigger control, trigger reset, proper grip, proper stance. So the fir- and then we would gradually build upon that, depending on the the proficiency of the student. Are you teaching what you learned on the force? Yes, a mixture of, of uh, and I, I've taught the police for, for many years too, but yeah, a mixture of some things that I've learned on the force, but more things that I've learned uh, just training with some pretty high-level dudes, so... Like yeah. I'm not going to say, but uh, maybe what do they without giving names? Uh, like, what did you learn from them, or what do they do? Well, I've tra- I mean, I've trained with some SEALs, I've trained with some Rangers mm-hmm. from military stuff, and uh, learned some good techniques, some good tactics. Yeah, nice. So, and then I've I've been a firearms instructor since 2012 in the private sector, and uh, then I got my law enforcement certifications as well. So, teaching uh, the police as well. So, and then so like. How far can you can you go on on this? Because like, when you learn the basics, so the first class is can is kind of like, so it's the basic of holding a gun and shooting with it. Correct. And then and then you need to know like what to do after. Yeah. So I like to focus uh, a lot on reality based training. What does that mean? So what I mean by that is, uh, you know. <laughs> I don't want to get too far off on a tangent here, but most people that own firearms or carry concealed, they are not at the level of training that they need to be. Um, A lot of them just take a course and then they go and they carry a gun. Uh, For me, I consider that a liability and not an asset. So when I teach, and the reason why I started teaching was just for that reason. I'm about creating assets, not liabilities. So when I put somebody through a course or a private lesson, I focus more on reality-based training, right? More self-defense. How are we going to utilize this tool, right? Because the firearm is a tool. It's an extension of you. How are we going to use this in a real-life situation, right? So the question always comes up, you know, we're in some sort of a deadly force encounter, are we just going to be standing static, looking at a target and shooting a target? Absolutely not. You're going to be moving. Yeah, because the target is trying to attack you. 
Well, if we're, if we're right, if we're talking about the difference between being on a firearms range in a controlled environment and being in a self-defense situation, we're talking about two totally, completely different things, right? And so what I mean is we're at a range and we're shooting at a target working on fundamentals, right? Oh, okay. That's, that's that target's not shooting back, you thought, right? You, so there's okay. no stress involved. That's not the target that I had in mind. I had right? someone incoming. All right, so we're going to get to that, right? So, <laughs> so the, fir- the first, going back to what is a basic pistol shooter's course or what is a, a beginner's lesson, right? That's what we're focusing on. We're focusing on just controlled environment, working on the basic fundamentals, the basic operations of the firearm, right? Just like right. I said, sight alignment, sight picture, grip, trigger control, trigger reset, proper stance, make sure we get all that squared away. Make sure that you know what you're doing and you could at least hit the target. Then we start to progress and we go into more reality-based training. We're just like I said, excuse me, what happens in real life? Real life, that you're not standing static in a controlled environment looking at a paper target. You have that target that you were thinking about coming at you yeah. or at least engaging you from some point, right? Yeah. So are you staying static? No. Absolutely not, right? You're going to be moving. You're going to be moving and shooting, or you're going to be moving from one position of cover or concealment to the next position of cover and concealment, right? Yeah, okay. Understand, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I've, you're also going to be drawing from a holster, right, because you're carrying a gun. Right. right. So how do we draw from a holster effectively? How do we get back into the holster? How do we move and shoot? How do we move and track? So these are a lot of the things that I teach. It, it, it gets very, you know, It gets more advanced, more high-speed, more reality-based, lots of stress, right? We want to elevate the heart rate. Why do we want to do that? Because when the heart rate is elevated, the body does funny things. <laughs> yeah. Right? The physiological effects, when adrenaline dumps, a lot of people can't handle that stress. Yeah. Right? You'll see people crawl up into a little ball. They cry. People, Some people shit themselves. Some people freeze, right? So as you train and you get stressed out, stressed out and you train under these conditions you actually start to be able to control the adrenaline mm-hmm. the tunnel vision that you hear about right kind the of auto- cha- the auditory distortion or exclusion. channel you channel it to focus more and you'll be able to channel it for to help you yeah rather than hurt you right that's so cool that we can do that. and that just comes with training so i like to focus a lot on that um do a lot of room clearing stuff you know teaching people how to defend themselves in their homes, how to enter rooms, how to work angles, doorways, stuff like that. Yeah. Where, where are you based off? I'm based out of Boca Raton, Florida. Oh, your school is in Boca? So, my yeah, my main headquarters is in Boca, and we do a lot of training up in uh, St. Lucie County at the current time right now. How does it, like, do we have to go somewhere to train? Like, are you... Uh, how does that work in, in Boca? And it just depends on what level of training we're doing. So if we're if we're doing a private one-on-one lesson, it would just be at, at one of the local ranges. If we're doing more of an advanced course, it's probably going to be at a different type of range. Usually I use outdoors. If we're doing some type of room clearing or CQB, right, close quarter, uh, that would be in like a shoot house. So it just depends on the level of training and what we're doing. It just depends on the environment. Wait, there's a shoot house is a is a house that you can you can shoot in, in. Yeah, so I don't use live shoot houses. I use shoot houses that will accommodate simunitions. So it's that. it's your real gun, but it's converted. We take the barrel out, we put a training barrel in. You're still shooting a projectile, so you're still getting the 
the recoil, the blowback, the extraction of the casing. Oh, it's the but the bullet that's coming out is more like a uh, yeah. In the like in the SWAT movie, you know the old one. Um, fuck. Um, they they have a training in the plane and they and then they they, they they're shoot. using like they're simunitions. Using, yeah. yeah, and then it's a, it's like a paintball or something. It's it's similar. It's it's a plastic bullet, and inside the bullet has like detergent. Okay, cool. But yeah. If I were to shoot you from from here to there, you know, mm -hmm. th there's a standoff rule because it will it will pierce the skin. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So you have to be careful. You have to so be careful. okay, there's so a stand there's a standoff rule. Much yeah, stronger than, than the paintball. Then. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So um, you can also use airsoft. You know, for instructors out there that want to maybe do it a little more affordable, right? Because we're not so much concerned about, uh, you know, shooting the real, but we're more concerned about working the angles, right, and taking control of the room. These are the, these are the big things. Oh, okay. So the shooting is the second thing. Then it's not. It's not even. It's how do we enter, or, or what do we do before we enter, right? How do we enter once we're once we made the decision to break the threshold? How are we going to enter, right? And how are we going to take control over that room? Those are the main learning objectives. And then addressing the target, right? Right. When you say taking control of the room, what does that mean? So if I were to come into this room, right, this is, a, uh, this is what we call a corner-fed room, right? Why is it a corner-fed room? Because you have a, a, uh, a load-bearing wall here, right? Yep. You have your door there, and the door and the room opens in this way, right? Okay. So I already know that this wall is not a huge problem. Does that make sense? So you want to look like the like here. Right. And then so if I was going to come into this, like let's say this door was open, I would start to clear this room from, from the outside. So I would stay on the threshold of the door. I would work my way from here, come around as I look in. Oh, right? As okay. I look in, right? And I'm what they call cutting the pie, right? Right. So I'm looking at these sectors as I'm coming around the threshold of the door. I can see that this entire area is clear of any threats or adversaries. As I... As I Continue to sweep around the threshold. I can start to see now in here. So now I have this whole sector clear. Where is my main issue? Right here. This dead space. This dead corner here. Oh, because in my head you were opening the door like this. Well, if the door if was the door was closed, the door was uh, closed, you were, you it were would, opening like this a little bit, and then that would be the, the dead spot, right? Right. I'm just saying if the door was open, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we would we would I would start on this threshold here. Yeah. And I would work this way. Right. That way I can start to clear all this. And then my main concern, my liability is this corner here. So how would I address that corner? Right? How would you address the corner? I would come in. It just depends on the situation. We can go slow methodical or we can go hard and, you know, force of violence. It, it just depends on the situation, hmm. you know. And then if you're coming in hard, you need to come in and you need to, need to address it right away. So you'd come in, you'd stay on the wall, and then you would have sectors of responsibility, depending on how many people are coming in the room with you. What's a, a oh sector of responsibility? So it's you, you divide. Right. So if 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 man one comes in, he has a sector. Man two comes in, he has a sector. Right. And as you work as a team, you trust each other that you, they are taking care of their responsibility. They're taking care of their sectors of responsibility. But that that comes with that comes with lots of training and that comes with team cohesion. Yeah, but it's the you're same not going to get football, that. Yeah. yeah, you're not going to get that. You know, that that's the problem with like uh, 
responding to an alarm call with uh, with an officer that you, you kind of know, but he works in a different zone, right? And he's just there to back you up, and you guys don't really work together tight, right? So you don't know. And now him. you're like, shit, is he going to, when I go in this room, is he going to is he gonna be taking care of his sector responsibility? So now it, what is that? Is that is that cohesion or is that more now, fuck, I got to worry about him. Now he's more of a liability, right? Would I just rather be in here alone type shit, right? Compared to we're on a team and we do this all the time. Yeah, he's and got th- your back, and this is what we do. And I know you. When we come in this room, you got your shit together. I don't yeah. even have to fucking second guess it. I know you're gonna take that corner while I take this. You know, you know. You're I don't not even gonna... have to look. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the difference, right? So, how do you know when you trust somebody? Training, you just it's just repetition. Like, you know, yeah, just repetition. You, for, you know, <laughs> yeah, you just know. Yeah. What am I looking for? Yeah, like what are some qualities that you might be looking for in somebody that you'd want? If you can only have one other person that's going into a room with you, what do you... Uh, I just want to make sure that they're tactfully sound, you know? And I've been in situations on the job where I've had had officers come on scene and and I've told them, just hold the door. (laughs) Just hold the front door. Make sure nobody comes in behind me. I mean, it's a difference, right? Yeah. And I've also had, hey, I'm waiting for... For this guy, because I know this guy knows what the fuck he's doing, and I know we're gonna go in this house, and we're gonna we're gonna own it. Yeah, that's the that's the difference, right? Because sometimes you don't want to enter enter just by yourself. You you prefer to wait for some backup, and then it just depends. But there's lots of times that you have to. There's lots yeah, of times that you have to, you know. And uh, like I said, How if if decide? it's if if the person that's coming to help is gonna be more of a liability. Based on my experience, I'd rather be in there by myself because I don't want to have to worry about you. The guy that's coming that I know is tactfully sound, I don't have to worry about him. He knows what the fuck he's doing. He knows his, his responsibility. He knows that I know what I'm doing. We've done this together 150 times before, and we're going to make it happen. You know, That's the difference. How long does it take for, I guess, if we talk about specifically the training at the, the school, how long does it take for someone to be comfortable uh like owning a room it's just repetition and it's based on the individual what do you typically see or it just can range like it's all over the place yeah and it's very perishable too so if you're not if you're not consistently training Mm -hmm. just like anything right if you're not consistently training oh you lose it you lose it so you have to you have to stay you know i recommend at least a few times a month if you can do it you know most people can't because they're busy but if you really want to become proficient, you know, or just, you know, take the skills I teach you and then go home, you know, so your wife looks at you like you're fucking crazy as you're clearing your rooms <laughs> through your house. Trust me, I've done it before. But I mean, that's how you get your. That's how. That's how you get your. That's how you get your reps in, man. Talk to any guys that train; they know. Babe, I'm practicing. So, I need to yeah. do this. <laughs> but uh, it, it just all depends on the individual. But it's it's definitely. Uh, something that you need to repetitively do, you know? And a lot of times when we're talking about room clearing, it, it, it all comes down to angles. It all comes down to angles, yeah. Huh. Well, you got to know the angles. And you got to know the angles. Because if, if, let's say that I'm the adversary here, right? I have the gun on the table for whatever, let's just say we're doing a scenario. Yeah. And you're the bad guy here. Right with the gun on the table, and I'm out there, and I'm clearing the room, and I'm coming around this threshold. I should be able to see you before you can see me. Makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I have to jump on you. Mm-hmm. 
if he sees you before you see him, you're doing it wrong. So it all comes down to the angles. Huh. Is there um, is there something else that you teach in the in the school, or this is the main this is the main thing? Like how? Yeah, so I teach I teach firearms training, basic to advanced, and I teach self defense, which is a based on Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, Muay Thai. When there's we a do like women's self defense classes, stuff like that too. Nice. Yeah. When there, when you're under um, immense stress uh, in a situation, what are you telling yourself to uh, stay focused? I, I'm kind of weird, man. I, I operate the best under those conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Like I fucking eat that shit up. So I don't really, I don't really tell myself anything. I just kind of operate. You know. I just do what I got to do. Do what I know how to do. Um, I think the biggest thing that you need to think about or that maybe you think about after the fact, I know it is for me, is, you know, the ability to make split-second de split decisions in the moment. And is it the right decision? Right? So. But as far as being able to perform, uh, for me, it just it's a natural thing for me. Yeah. Well, it, it, it and I think it's just based on the training, you know, because you're, you're always going to fall back to your level of training. So if you're in a shitty situation and you have no training, that's what you're going to fall back to, man. Uh, if you have high level of training, that's what you're going to fall back to. Hmm. That's why the discipline is so important. Yeah. 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 You mentioned earlier the, uh, about the trust in your, in your partner, and it made me think about... It was. I think it was Simon Sinek that um, that was. Ah, uh, Eat last. Yeah. Great book. It was. Yeah, it was a great. It was a great book. But it was in 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 the talk that he that he um, that he was doing um, about the seals. How mm. um, what they would prefer. They would. They had this. I think this chart of so competence and the other thing is I think was trust. And they would rather have a low competence, yes, I, high I remember trust. That. Remember that? Oh yeah, I remember that. Because at least you know you know what you got, and you could always work on building, building that guy up. You know? Yeah. I would rather have that guy that listens than that guy who's super cocky, that doesn't know what he's doing, thinks he knows what he's doing. No, but maybe and he's then, very and, good, and he doesn't fucking listen. Like I don't want that guy. I would rather have, like you're talking about, maybe his competence is a little less, but I could trust him. Yeah. And and if I tell him to do something, he's going to do it. Yeah. You know, and right, rather than the guy that doesn't know shit but thinks he does, and you can't tell him nothing. I don't want that guy. Or even if he's like he's not he's not skilled, he's like, not coachable. Yeah. Huh? Or even if he's highly skilled, like you mentioned, it's still a liability because you don't know if you could trust him. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And if he's highly skilled too, right? So there's a, there's a double edged sword, but. Um, if, if you're talking about team cohesion, right. You don't want that guy. No, he, he's, uh, he's a cancer for the team. Correct. He's going to get you killed. Right. Probably everybody, everybody needs to be equal and everybody needs to be a leader because and what I mean by that is when you're coming into some sort of a, let's say we're coming into a room point man might turn into secondary guy coming back out of the room, right? So now the next guy is now number one guy, right? So he needs to know how to lead, right? Everybody needs to know how to take up each other's responsibility. 
right? That's why and you this need is where such a cohesion. high level of trust. High level of trust, high level of training, and team cohesion. Because if, if I need to follow you, I got to make sure that you know your shit. Correct. Right? Correct. That's the thing. So I might be point man coming in, but I might be last guy going out. Well, yeah, because then now you're in, and all of the guys that are not here. And now we turn around, we go out, right? So now last man's number one, right? Yeah. See how it works? So we all have to always trust each other, and uh, we all have to know how to do each other's jobs. Oh, that's cool. You don't don't want people that, nobody's better than anybody. Everybody's a unit. They're a team. So Well, they are better. There are people that that are better than, than, than others, but... But if we work as a team, then then we're well. well I'm not saying best. what I'm saying is the mentality. Yeah, yeah, the mentality. yeah. Because the the, the abilities, this, this is different. This is different. This Correct. is what I mean when I say like people are better than than some than some than some other. There's some that are that are doing much more impressive things that than than you and I can do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So like, of yeah. course, there's guys that are better than than us at doing those things. Yeah. But the it reminds me so much of football cuz like it, it really is like something that you have to work together otherwise you're screwed like if one guy blows a cover then then it's a touchdown most it's like it's there's a, no i in team you know what i'm saying no i heard that <laughs> i heard this one so many times you know uh, do you teach a lot of this at the school as well besides like the tactical pieces teach a lot of what uh like the leadership and how important it is Absolutely. for team camaraderie and yeah 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 Done a lot of public speaking, you know, leadership stuff. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. How do you teach leadership? How do you teach leadership? Yeah. Or maybe what do you typically teach? So when I'm, I mean, obviously I'm, I teach for my company, but I'm also an instructor at, uh, I'm not going to say where, but I, I teach the police. Okay. Um. And it's just like the conversations we're having now, man, like, how do you trust somebody? You know, what is leadership? You know, what is what is the difference between confident and cocky? They seem the same, not but they're completely different, right? So when we What's talk, the difference to you? Um, just like I said before, the guy that's that thinks he knows what he's doing, but doesn't. I think that's but swears, the but too. swears that he does. Yeah, and you can't tell him none the wiser, and he's not coachable. That's cocky. Yeah, confident. Is the guy that comes in, everybody knows he's in the room. Everybody knows he know everybody knows that they know what he does and no and I'm trying to explain this. And he true? knows what he does, but he doesn't have to say it. That's yeah. Does that okay. make sense? I like I, there's there's no reason to show it off. Like let's let let's let's get down to business and you'll see, pretty much, right? Right. But there's no reason to flaunt it, to to uh to boast about it. Whereas the cocky guy, he needs to tell everybody. Yes, right? I I agree. Um, Maybe you have a different perspective on it. Yes, I do, and I, okay. I think it's I think it's funny because we were talking about this this week actually a couple of days ago, and I agree with with your, with with your um, what are you talking about? But I I have to add another perspective, and I think I think you can still be very very confident about something mm-hmm. and not be good at it. Yes, well, and that would be cocky. No, no, I disagree. Because well, hear me out. Yeah, but there's hear me out. Yes, and then there's you, right. So hear me out. Yeah, when I say when I'm when I, my point of view about this, um, I agree with you. If you look at someone that is very confident, uh, competent in in the thing, right? But he's very confident that he's competent, right? But I see it from the from the point where I'm not competent, 
I know I sh- I suck, but I know I will. I will get good at some at, at this, right? right? Right. So I can I can still be confident in everything that I'm doing, right? In the fact that I will figure it out. I I know what I'm I didn't figure it out yet, but I can still be confident in the fact that I will. So therefore, I think that you can still be confident, truly, without sounding cocky. But I think the different is the awareness that you suck and that maybe you don't know. Well, then that would be that would be humble. You're humble enough to know that that you don't have it 100, exactly, percent but, but you're you, confident enough to know that you're gonna get there, right? Yeah. So, but they do work together. But it's not though. cocky. But uh, no, but if if you're not humble and and, and but then then you're cocky. Correct. Then if if you're not aware that maybe you don't know, then then you cocky. Correct. I think that's the difference. Yes. It's the awareness. The ignorance. It's the self awareness. The ignorance is the cockiness. I think so. Right. Absolutely. I agree. It makes sense, 100%, right? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Oh, I like when I figure something out about 100%. this. 100%. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, the confident guy is the humble guy. That's yeah. The, that's, that's the confident guy. Yeah, because he, he doesn't need to show it. He's humble. He knows what he knows. He knows what he doesn't know. You know? I, I, I don't know most That's things. the guy that I want. That's the guy that would be. That's the character traits I look for. I look for the humility and the skill. How do you determine? Uh, I guess we. I guess I guess you kind of you kind of you kind of did though. I was uh, I was gonna ask how do you do, do you determine the skill, but you can you can figure it out pretty much. Probably if somebody is coachable, I think is a good way to determine it. Because if they're listening, they're taking the feedback, and you see them applying it. That's a good. Is that indicator. water there? Yeah. Nice. It was for me. What were you drinking cool. there? Protein shake. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I needed some more, some more protein See, and man, get those muscles. Gotta, gotta get it in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I told my coach I was, um, I was not gonna screw up this week because uh, I've been, I've uh, been trying to to cut uh, to get like below ten percent of body fat. Oh, nice! I was never able to do that in my life, and I was like, okay, like I, let's see if I can do it. And it's hard, man. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's hard. Yeah, it is. It's hard. Um, and I've been having trouble in it with consensus consistency in, uh, in the past month or something. Cause, uh, we've been traveling we've been away for like three weeks out of the month, kind of. And, um, when I go on vacation, I don't want to turn crazy. Yeah. You, you know, I, I want to, a big part of vacation for me is enjoying the new food is trying new stuff. And Absolutely. is I don't want to look at that. Absolutely. Right? I, I'm not gonna go crazy, but I I want to enjoy the food because the because for me that's part of the that's part it's of the part of the experience, right? Who fucking wants to restrict themselves when they want to no, like don't not. go crazy. Eat like good things. Yeah. Like stop when you're like when you when you're not hungry anymore. Stop maybe a little bit before. Um, don't fucking drink too much if you don't want to. The the alcohol. I, I feel like uh, are you drinking a lot uh, or 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 are you kind of. You kind of did like me, like I, I almost stopped completely. Yeah, right now I'm on that right now where I'm, I'm not really drinking very much. Maybe a glass of wine here and there. Same. A few months ago, I was drinking a little more, and it's just because of things that were going on and what we were doing. I mean, we just got we were in Italy for 14 days, so uh, how was that? A lot of wine. Oh, it was it was amazing. It was amazing. Where'd you go? It was amazing. I, uh, I flew into uh, Milan. 
should I say, we flew into Milan, and then we pretty much just went like every two days to a different city. With your mom or? No, with my fiance. Oh, cool. So we went uh, <laughs> yeah, with my mom. I wish. My, that's like a dream for my mom to go to. Oh, really? I told, I told That'd be a cool trip, no? Yeah, I told her I'll take her. Nice. So, um, but yeah, so we did uh, Milan, Florence, Tuscany, uh, Venice, uh, Naples. I think I'm missing one. Rome. And then we went down to uh, Amalfi, Positano. Nice. We actually did four days in Positano, and that was absolutely beautiful. I heard there's no house for rent in, in Tuscany, though. I don't know. I just know we, we were there. We went to uh, a vineyard out there called the Torsiano Vineyard. So if you guys ever get a chance, Torsiano. Uh, talk to my friend Alberto out there. Take care of you guys. We did uh, lunch in the vineyard. Absolutely amazing, man. They brought out six wine glasses per person. They gave us all the fresh meats and cheeses. <sighs> Did like a whole wine tasting, presentation of each <sighs> wine. Please stop. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So we got we got pretty hammered, man. It was nice. <sighs> Ate good food in the vineyard. And then uh, we actually wound up buying like six bottles of wine from wine. Italy. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Oh, I love wine tasting. Yeah, it's amazing. It's the best. Yeah, so Tuscany was nice, and then, uh, like I said, Positano was amazing down there in Amalfi Coast. But the 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 one thing that really oh uh, yeah, the Amalfi Coast. I had a friend. Uh, yeah. they, they went into uh, they went there and uh, for a boys trip. They went. They spent like two weeks in Europe. They went um, a bunch of crazy place. They rented a fucking boat because it was it was cooler than than uh, renting hotels. <laughs> they rented they rented a uh, um, uh, how to. The, no, it was the, like a yacht, like a boathouse. No, it was not a. It was not a huge, huge boat. It was like the one that goes on on wind. Oh, a sailboat. Sailboat. Yeah. There you go. So they rented a, a medium sized sailboat or whatever. They have it. They had a chef and, and some crew and oh, then nice. they four guys. It was the coolest trip. I was so jealous. Oh, yeah. So what we did is we did Airbnbs. Uh, I think we only stayed in two hotels, and then in each city we just used public transportation. So we did uh, buses and uh, and subways. And then from each city, we did high-speed train. It's cool in Europe. That so we didn't, rent, we didn't rent a car. The only thing I rented is when we got to Positano because uh, I didn't know going to Positano that I was going to be on the fucking Stairmaster for three days, four days. All right, everything is stairs. Everything is uphill. <laughs> You're on a fucking mountain, okay? My calves, let me tell you something about my calves, man. My fucking calf game. And my glutes, <laughs> bro. I came back with some fucking. My calves were like. It nice. put in the work. Oh yeah. So by like the second day, I'm like, we're renting a fucking scooter. <laughs> so I go to the scooter guy and I'm like, how much for this scooter? And I'm like, I, at that point, I didn't care. So how much was it? I think it was like two fifty for like two days or whatever. I'm like, whatever, man. Here, here's two hundred fifty <laughs> bucks, man. It was fucking worth it. Oh, so no. then I was zooming up and down the mountain. It was nice, man. It was nice. But uh, the, the, the biggest thing and the, and the most uh, enjoyable thing about Italy was the food. Was the food. Uh, we pretty much ate croissants, pizza, pasta, seafood almost every day. And we didn't gain any weight. Well, the food's better over there. It's better. The portions are better as far as, like, portion control. Uh, the, 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 and, and, and the way you feel too. when you eat, man. You don't feel full. You don't feel sick. You don't feel... I mean, it's, he it's healthier. It's a it's lot healthier. healthier what they do. Yeah. It's healthier. Th there's, uh, I, I think I heard um, there's different, um, 
there's different way to treat the wheat or something. Or yeah, different yeah, the gluten wheat. and all that. Yeah, yeah. How does that? Do you so know a, that? a lot of the most of the food is uh, it's it's fresh. But you don't you know all the all the vegetables and the fruits are from the garden. Oh, that's cool. It's all it's all grown. Yeah. So the sauces are from the garden. Like a lot of the restaurants we went to, they had their own gardens. Really. Yeah. So just don't order a cappuccino after twelve o'clock in the afternoon. Why? I think you're fucking crazy. Really? Yeah. Wait, after, okay, so in the afternoon, no cappuccino. No cappuccino. Why, it's breakfast coffee? That's that's how they do it over there, yeah. You need an espresso. Espresso you, after 12. After 12. Cappuccino before noon. Huh. Yeah. Noted, we might be there next month. Yeah, yeah. Really? If you guys need a good itinerary, let me know. Yes, please. Yeah, we got it locked in. We'll my fiance, she did all the logistics. I was like, "You got this." She's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "All right, I'm along for the yeah, ride." I got man. one like that too. And she, or, she she organized that shit down to the fucking minute, man. I was like, "Holy shit!" Oh, it's I'm nice. Like, do it with, Let's do it. We did nice. a bunch. Of, we did a bunch of excursions. We did. I mean, we we just had a blast. We rented a boat. I mean, it was it was great, man. Great time. Great time. What nice. uh, what type of excursions did you guys do? Yeah, we did the boat. We did uh, we did the tour in Rome. Uh, we did the vineyard. We did a bunch of stuff, man. It was, was nice. This year, first time over there. Yeah. How 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 often do you think of Rome? Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew where that That's was going. Question. I knew that was, where that was going. <laughs> I don't want to get into that shit. <laughs> It's funny when everyone started to do that though, because we did think we didn't think about it probably more more often than we than we realized for some reason. I don't know, man. <laughs> don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is fun, James. So uh, why are you cutting weight, man? Are you doing a competition or something? No, no, no. It's just I wanted to see if I could do it. See if we could do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's all about the nutrition, man. If you can uh, if you can discipline yourself with the nutrition. No alcohol, you know. You you'll be able to do to it. I, I mean, that's how I do when I get ready to fight. I just I get on like four to six week plan, and I just stay laser focused, man. Laser focused, and I and I don't and I don't cut a lot. I like to try to fight at my walk around weight. Um, Why is that? I just because I just don't like to cut. I mean, it just you cut too much. You you know, it's hard on the body, and. uh for me, I, I feel like I'm not as strong if I cut too much. So for a, for a long time, I was fighting heavyweight in jujitsu, and uh, these last like what's the what's the weight for that? Two oh eight was the max weight. Okay. Yeah. So I was fighting two oh eight. Um, above that is super heavyweight, and then above that is like ultra heavy. So I cut down to uh, medium heavy, which max weight's like one ninety five. Um, I feel good at that weight, height, weight, but I walk around at 185. So right now, I mean, like I just fought this past weekend. The max weight in that tournament was 191. They call it in that division was cruiserweight, and uh, I came in at 185. I came yeah. in at my walk around weight, so I was strong, healthy. Wound up winning double gold. Cool. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah, it has a lot to do with your nutrition, man, and your weight cuts. So. How big uh, was the tournament? What do you mean? Well, uh, 
How many athletes were there? Uh, How does that work? Hundreds, hundreds. Yeah, it was pretty big. I mean, it, it's not one of the biggest tournaments. Uh, they're, uh, I mean, they're they're up and coming. It's a new breed. How uh, does that work, jiu-jitsu tournaments? What do you mean? Well. How do you? Uh, how does that work? Like, where where do you register? With what? What is it about? Like, so the uh, how, how how the point the works? Ma- the main governing force is the IBJJF, and that's the International Brazilian Jiu Jitsu Federation. Okay, so they are the they are the pinnacle. They are you're an IBJJF. You are ranked throughout the world. So I can fight in Florida. I can fight in Italy. Same ranking, right? It's an international okay. bracket. It's international ranking. Some of the local tournaments. Like the one I just fought in was new, uh, a promotion called New Breed. So that's their tournament name is okay. New Breed. Then you have others like uh, Jiu-Jitsu World League. You have ADCC. You have all these other entities. But a lot of them follow the IBJJF rules and regulations. Oh, because you, you can start a business doing tournaments. Yeah, you can start a company and hold tournaments, absolutely. Oh, that's what the UFC is, by the way. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, uh, but they have different, uh, although they all try to follow IBJJF, they all put their own little twist on things. So like, whereas just like I explained, like if I was fighting an IBJJF, uh, I would be fighting medium heavy. Okay. New breed is called cruiserweight. Jiu-Jitsu World League, I'm not even sure what their weight divisions are, right? They just call it different names. Right. So, uh, but like I said, IBJJF is the governing force of all these other promotions follow their rules and regulations. Most of them do. So how does it work? You find the tournament, you register, you select your weight division, you select your belt rank, and you select your age. And then uh, people sign up and they start to put you in brackets. Sometimes you'll have a fight, sometimes you won't. IBJJF, you'll probably always have a fight. These local tournaments, sometimes you won't. So sometimes you'll either have to go up a weight division or you'll have to go down an age to get a fight. It just depends. So, okay, so is it better to fight older guys? Like how, when when does it become a liability, the age that you are? I don't know if it's a liability, but if you, I, I know what you're trying to ask me. Uh, if, if I had a choice to fight, let's say, heavier or younger, yeah, I would want to fight heavier. Really? Yeah, why do I want to fight a younger guy? I don't know. Maybe he's stronger. He's probably that. stronger. He's probably got more cardio, right? It, it you know, it's a lot of its strategy. When when okay, so but what I'm trying to when I'm trying to to ask is when is prime in in jiu-jitsu competition? What do you mean when is prime? Like 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 when is your prime? Like at what at what age um are you reaching or most most athletes reach their prime? Is it like in the, in I don't the, know, man. I started in my 30s. Oh really? You know, yeah. I mean, I started. I'm 42, so I started. What? How old was I? 37, 8, 9, 10, 11. Was I 34, 35 years old? Huh. Right. That's cool. So, and I'm. I feel like I'm in my prime. So I don't know. I mean, the 20 year olds might feel like they're in their prime. But, but that's I mean, what I'm still, I'm still, I mean. I'm still though. winning championships. You know, I won Pan Americans in 2020. My Pan American Nogi champ. Cool. I'm a Florida State champ. You know, I've 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 lost a lot and I've I've won a few. You know, a few good ones. Yeah. So and that, and you'll you'll get that a lot from a lot of competitors. You know what? People only see the medals. They don't see the losses in between. And with the losses comes learning. 
right? There was a period where I was making the same mistake over and over again. I'd go to a tournament, I'd fight, and I'd make the same fucking mistake. Was it? And it took me three, four losses to learn from that mistake to not do it again. Um, <clears throat> getting getting stuck in the in the stand up. What is that? It's the judo aspect of jujitsu, right? Because when we stand up, it's judo. Okay. So how did I overcome that? I just started really focusing on takedowns, like focusing on. Oh, get him to the ground. Right, because we start standing. Mm-hmm. I know in training you guys start on the knees a lot, but in competition we start standing up. Mm-hmm. So that's where the judo comes in, right? We're, okay, we're trying so to we're trying to hit single leg takedowns, double legs. We're trying to do, you know, sotogaris, leg sweeps, foot sweeps, right? Like we learned yesterday. Tomionagi. Sort of learning, yeah, definitely trying. Right? We worked on that yesterday. So a lot of the a <laughs> lot of the times for me is I would get stuck, you know, grip fighting and hesitating to not go in because I just I would just wasn't confident, you know. I I was confident in training, but then I'd go out and I'd fight and I'd be like, man, and I would think too much and I'd be like, fuck, if I shoot for this, what if he defends it? <sighs> now I'm gonna be in a bad position, right? And it was kind of like the head junk. Right, the head trash. When you think too much, to it's get, the worst. Right, and to get over that, I just had to keep losing, you know? And now I'm over it. Now I go out there and I fire, man. And if I feel I can't get the takedown, then I'll pull guard. You know, I'm not going to get stuck in the stand-up because what happens is you get stuck in the stand-up and, and these matches are only five-minute matches. Oh, it's not long. So you, and by the time you look at it, you've been fucking standing up, hand-fighting, breaking minutes. grips for fucking three minutes, and you got two minutes left on the clock. You know, and there's no points on the board, right? And you have two penalties because you you guys have just been fucking around, <laughs> you know, hesitating, right? So it took me a while to overcome that. This past tournament, I, I went right in every every match. I had one no-gi match. Uh, I closed out the advanced no-gi division. Um, he, went, he went in for, for some type of a... He might have been trying to do like a hip toss. I don't know, but he stuck his leg between mine, and I, I scooped that bitch. I scooped it, leg swept him, took him down, got two points, and we just kind of battled in his guard for the remaining of the fight. The second fight uh, was Guy. I did one of my takedowns that I do. I did double single collar and just snatched him down. And then, so that's two points, and then I started passing and making more points. I won that match. And then the third fight, uh, I did some judo. I did, uh, I went and I faked like I was going to do, uh, like a leg sweep. And then I came to the other foot and I foot swept him, got him down and then just worked on points, passing position, stuff like that. So because, you know, because of those losses, I've gotten more confident in my standup right. and, and it's forced me to practice more judo. Huh? Yeah. Cause then you, so if I, if I understand correctly, in the competition, you're not always trying to choke him out. You want you, you want to score points. So, so right. So that's that's good. We can talk about that. So, and I have something posted on my Instagram. I always talk about you know when we're in these competitions, we only have five minutes, right? If you're not a black belt, you have five minutes. Black belts get a little more time. Um, you have five minutes to make some shit happen, pretty much. And if like I said, if you're if you're fucking around and you're not you're not doing anything, it's we're gonna leave it up to the ref to decide. We don't want that, right? So, what I always tell people, especially newer belts coming up and and those that are starting to compete, is I always say, yeah, work on your submissions, know your attacks, you know, work on your submissions, but points wins fights. 
So you need to focus on the points game. You need to focus on strategy. Not only strategy on how I'm going to make points, but also how to how to strategize the time. You need to focus on the clock. Mm. Right? Focus on the clock. I know if I if I take you down, I get 2 points. Now you're behind. Now you have to work to try to So you can just take your sweet well, time. Well, I can't take my sweet time, but I have time now. Does that make sense? Right. I'm, I'm up ahead by two points. So now I can slow things down, and I can start to really focus on control, focus on more positions. That's what I mean when I... I don't have to be so yeah. crazy to try to make those points because I already, I already got them. I already got the two points. Now you're behind. Now you need to fight to try to get back and try to get more points yeah, because or fight for a submission. Because the idea is when you when you when you take someone down or whatever, and when you control them, you, when you control them in a in a street fight, I I, I say you, you kind of give yourself like points. You're in control, so like you can something can happen to help you out and get you out of the of the situation, kind of. Right, but in the tournament, you have submissions and you have points. You have advantages and you have penalties. Right. Right. So if on a takedown, that's two points. Right. If I pass your guard, that's three points. If I get knee on belly, that's another two points. If I get mount, that's four points. Back mount, four points, right? See how that points are adding up based on positions. So if yeah. you're rolling around and I'm, I, I get my hooks in on, on, on back control, that's four points. You flip over and now I mounted you, that's another four points. So in a matter of a takedown and two positions, that's ten points. What's right? um, so does, that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, So does. what I always tell people is, listen – Work on your submissions. If the submission's there, take it. Don't risk it if, if you don't have the position. Like, if you don't have the control, don't fire for the submission because chances are you're going to miss the submission and you're going to put yourself in a bad position. So we always say position before submission. Make sure you have good, solid control before you go for that arm bar, that lapel choke, that wrist lock, that Kimura, whatever attack you're going to do, make sure you have good position. So what I always tell people is focus on the points game. Focus on making the positional points. Takedown, side control, passing the guard, knee on belly, right? Mount, back mount, right? Focus on that. Focus on getting points on the board. Now you have points on the board. So let's say the clock runs out. Who wins? You win. Let's say you don't focus on the points. And you're only going for submissions. Yeah, you fucked. And the clock runs out. Yeah. What's the right? So that, point? That, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it does. So don't don't just focus solely on submissions. Focus on the points game and look for the submission. Like if I'm there and I'm I I I got you in side control and 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 you're you're framing up and I I catch a wrist lock and boom I wrist lock you. That's good. Yeah. I already made my points and I found the submission. So that's the strategy. Points wins fights. What's the average point um, in a fight? Oh, uh, no, there's no average. What's a what's it a good? Be, it can be two points to. What's the most you've seen? In the twenties. Oh, okay. Yeah. What did you have on the recent one that you did? Oh, I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't know. What do you like most about competing? That's a good question. I know she's good. That's a good question. <laughs> well, there's a lot. There's a lot of things I like about computing. She's good with questions. So, um, one of the one of the things one of the the number one things I like about competing is uh, it's a very it's very primal. 
Oh, yeah, I see that. It's primal, man. It's it's you and him, and that's it. Yeah. Who's it going to be? Am I, am I be? And then this, it's the last one that you cannot talk shit. Who's it going <laughs> to be? Yeah. yeah. It's as primal as it gets, man. That's why I fucking that's love true. it. It's just raw. Yeah. So, but one of the other things that I, and a, a few other things that I love is it really puts into perspective where your skill set is. Because you remember we talked on the on the phone, right? Yeah. And we talked about that uh, Kruger effect. Yeah. I forget the first thing, but if you look it up, something Kruger effect. Kru- right? Yeah, the Kruger we, effect. Right? So the- we have in our mind, we have in our everybody does. We have in our mind that we're better. We think that we're better than we really are. Yeah. Right. We have this this misconception because the mind plays tricks on you that you are above your skill set. So when you go into competition. Right, especially for the first time, you think that you're at some level of jujitsu, MMA, whatever it is that you're doing, and then when you get out there, reality hits you. Yeah, because you don't have any feedback. You, reality hits you. It, it exactly. puts you yeah. in. It puts you. It puts your skills into perspective, and you'll know exactly where you are. You'll know exactly where you are, not only skill set wise, but your your ability to control your emotions. And that's the big thing. So as you start to compete, you start to be able to control the adrenaline and you start to be able to control your emotions. That's the biggest takeaway. So now when I go out and I compete, I'm not I'm not all like You're cool about it. I'm cool about it. Right? I go out there, I'm ready I'm ready to, I'm ready for war. Whereas in the past when you're a beginner beginner competitor, you're nervous. You go out there, you fucking totally forget you even know jujitsu, right? You know, that first contact, you're like, oh, my God, right? Like, fuck. Like, guy takes you down and chokes you out in, like, uh, 30 seconds. I mean, it's it's very humbling. So, for me, it's uh, it's the primal aspect and, and the, the reality. It, it brings everything into perspective of your skill set and... The ability to control your emotions. Kind of want to do it now. And it's always, uh, for me, it's always a competition against myself. I have the opponent there, but I'm always trying to get better. Trying to get better. Like it's always a competition for me. Like I want to see have I progressed. Right. Yeah, because yeah, that's oh, cool. You're, you're testing your reality. I'm always testing my my skills and my reality, and that's why I do it. Like, and that's why I did this smaller tournament. I always jump in the smaller ones here and there in between the IBJJF ones just to stay fresh, just to make sure that I'm where I need to be for when I, I go there. How do you get how do you get that to, to that level? Do you need to qualify for no, something? You just sign up and go. Oh. Yeah, but the, the level of competition <laughs> the level of competition is fierce. It's fierce. You get the local local tournaments, but you go IBJJF in there, it's fierce. It's fierce. You got some killers in there, man. Who's the who's the top guy? Uh, top guy now in oh, this. If you ask me, who's my number one top guy? Would be Gordon Ryan. Oh yeah, I know him. He's the man. Why though? What's uh? He's just amazing, man. He's because I see, I see. He he kind of taps he, everybody. He he he. Uh, he's an amazing nogi player. His professor's uh. John Danner. Um. But if you notice something about Gordon, he he's very humble. 
He looks cool too with the white beard. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's <laughs> you know, he, there's there's a guy right there that knows his shit and doesn't need to tell anybody. Like you just know that he knows his shit, and he will predict, and he's done it time and time again, how he will end that fight. No way. He just did it to the last guy. So he, uh, yeah, he's a force to be reckoned with, man. He's he's a number one best grappler in the world right now. How how big is he? Is he? He's over two hundred. Oh, so it's he's a, he's a big guy, yeah. So so a heavyweight. Yeah. Huh. So would you say that fighting? Because I definitely feel this way, and it's good to hear it from someone who's more experienced. Yeah. Um, is more mental than physical. I wouldn't say that. No. Why? But mental has a lot to do with it. Because like, you can only push your physical limits so far, and then if you have like mental, like emotional control or mental strength, I, right, you right. can push your body even further. Yes, I see. Yeah, so they go hand in hand, and and it comes down to almost like the mind body connection, right? Mm-hmm. So the mental comes first, then. Yes, the mental preparation would come first, absolutely. You know, you, there's strategy and everything. So when when we're talking about like competing in jujitsu, you know, there's times to use strength, there's times to use technique. There's time to explode. There's time to rest, right? And if you know, if you have your emotions under control, you'll be able to do that in combat, in a, in a live fight like that, right? You'll know, like, hey, man, I got it. Now it's go time. Now it's now it's chill time for a second. Let me get my let me get my my breathing back. Let me get my heart rate down a little because bit. Because you're in a good position. Good you can position, control, right? You can so that's time. all strategy. It's all mind body connection. It's all a lot of it is mental. Yes. It's so cool that it, um, it seems to apply to almost everything now. If, 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 if you can't see it, or if you, if you cannot conceive that maybe, maybe you can do it, or, maybe you, or you know how to do this, or anything, or, or you don't have control over yourself to be able to do the thing, then, then you can do it. It's just like in life. It's wild that it it applies to, it does apply to a bunch of things. Of course, mindset's Absolutely. everything. Yeah. You know, the, one of the biggest things is is the ability to manage stress, man. Like, so as you start to train more and more and more, and you're put in these positions where you think you're going to fucking die, and then you're ab- able to come out of that position alive, right? When you're dealing with the day-to-day bullshit, with business, with family problems, whatever it is, you can be able to manage that a whole lot better. Because that stress is not going to really affect you the way it used to affect you, right? Because you've been put in these positions time and time again where you think that you're going to die, where you think you can't go any further, and then you realize you have a whole lot more in the tank, right? So that's how that translates over to the stress management side, right? And that's why it's huge for police officers and people that are in these uh, professions of high stress to study jujitsu. Because it's going to help them manage the stresses of the job a whole lot better. If you take if you take an, an average officer and an officer that trains proficiently in jiu-jitsu and you put them on a scene, a scene that's a chaotic scene, you're going to see that the officer that doesn't train jiu-jitsu doesn't have the coping, as good coping skills as the guy that does train jiu-jitsu. He might, he, might, he might escalate where the guy that trains proficiently might keep his cool and de-escalate. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Are there a study on that? Like, is there? Yeah, it's 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 been out, man. We've been we've been driving and pushing hard with uh, you know, jujitsu for law enforcement. You know, I have a good friend that that has a pretty big company. He's going around the country now. He's training. Uh, some local guys. We've been starting jujitsu clubs. Because it uh, seems that more training would it. be better than yeah. less training. Yeah. It seems logical yeah. to me that that it should be something that you you always train, right? Because you have to train for what you need to do for life situation when you when you need to prepare. Well, I want you to think of this. Um, we're talking about the police, right? So let's take uh, let's take an officer that doesn't train and an officer that does train. And we put them in some sort of a combat situation, hand-to-hand combat. And the person that doesn't train or the officer that doesn't train gets taken down by a suspect. And now they're in some sort of a grappling match. Maybe the suspect's on top of them trying to punch them. And then you take the officer that's proficient in jiu-jitsu and the same scenario happens, right? So we're looking at both sides now, right? We're looking at the guy that doesn't train, the officer that doesn't train, compared to the officer that does train. What's the difference going to be? The difference is is that this officer, because he hasn't been put under the stressful conditions time and time again that jiu-jitsu does for you, might prematurely do something, right? He might panic. She might panic, he or she. They might prematurely go for their firearm, right? You just don't know what's going to happen because they've never been put in those situations. They have not been stress, is it inoculated? or indoctrinated, one of the two, right? They have not been inoculated to that stress. So they are, at this point, more liable to overreact and prematurely go for their firearm or their taser. Now we look at the guy that trains, the officer that trains jujitsu, right? What is he going to do? He's been in this position time and time again. What is he going to do? He's going to know how to get out of it. He's not going to panic. He's going to probably sweep the guy, roll him over, take positional control. He has to land a few strikes to cause a pause in combat. That's fine. They're allowed to do that. And then hopefully backup arrives at that point or other officers are on scene to assist him to put the guy into custody. Right. See see how it plays out differently, right? Or, or at least he has more chance to, to be able to do that without having to use too much force. Correct. At yeah. least. De-escalating again. So. Yeah. De-escalating. It, it, it wouldn't make sense. I never, never understood that. And you'll also see a lot of the times uh, the people that are on scene maybe causing the commotion or that are in the crowd. Maybe somebody has information they want to give. For, for an officer that is confident, not cocky, an officer that is confident, that trains in jiu-jitsu, that is able to compose themselves and have the command presence, right? You'll see that those people will gravitate more towards that officer, Rather than the officer that does, they just pick up on the energy, man. Trusting. They, they can see it. People can sense it. They can feel it, right? Because of the confidence, the command presence. Whereas maybe the officer that doesn't train, you kind of say, ah, you know, can this guy really even handle him? I mean, this is how people think, man. People less, are constantly sizing you up. So less assertive, you mean, maybe. Less assertive, less command presence, maybe escalating instead of de escalating, right? So these are the things that we see. Um, yeah, police officer escalating a situation is not a good, not a good sign. Listen, we can't we can't sit here and and all situations are different, you know. And uh, sometimes you do escalate, 
You know, it just depends on huh. the situation. You know, but uh, but you try your best to de-escalate. Okay, so what? And what, what I'm saying is, jujitsu is a great management tool for that, especially right. for law enforcement, because it's going to build a confident officer. They'll be able to manage the stress of, hey, my my neighbor's calling me names, and and they want to they want to fight each other, right? I mean, Call these are the bullshit calls that, that that they go to. So, um, all the way up to you know high intensity calls. Who should handle the bullshit call that you guys have? Can you can can we talk about that or no? Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Like so, you were telling me the other day that most of the the day to day was you responding to bullshit call like the like uh, the argument or or things like that or people with um, um, mental health mental health mm -hmm. that you know like. We all, we all have this, this all, it seems like every city has this problem now. It's a huge problem. It's a huge problem. So, and, and, you, and you were saying it, it takes majority of your time, right? Yeah. How does that work? How, do I, how can you be productive in, in doing the other stuff? Like, is that, is that supposed to be your job now? You just have to deal with the crazy people? A How lot. does that work? Well, listen. I mean, uh, the the people that you the people that are coming in contact with the police are not your everyday average citizen, yeah. right? This is a small percentage of people. Yeah, right. We're talking about criminals, and we're talking about mental health. Yeah, because you're trying to regulate the few percent. The normal people that we're coming into contact with is probably going to be on some type of a disturbance or some type of a domestic dispute, right? But for the majority of it, you're dealing with people that don't like to follow the law people that just do what the hell they want to do and mental health right so and it's huge man the homeless the mental health problem it's it's a huge huge issue you know and this we can we can do another podcast about that it's just that these people are medicated and they are sent out onto the street and who is left to deal with them the police You know, you get a phone, you get a call on 911. Hey, man, is this guy hanging out? He's in the middle of traffic, <laughs> and he's dancing, and he's trying to pull on door handles, right? So, what's going through your mind? All right, he's 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 we say signal 20. He's mentally some there's some type of mental crisis going on, right? Or he's on drugs, right? And maybe right. he's going through what we call excited delirium, right? Where he's his body's overheating. He he took too much. Maybe he's on bad salts. Maybe he's on cocaine. I mean, you just don't know. Right, who's left to deal with that? So the police are, huh? Typically, you're, you're the, the police, one yeah. Or the guy that's in front of the store at the gas station, and he's he's accosting people. How do you handle right? that? You know, that's a homeless panhandlers, right? How do you deal with those people? How would you, you got you got constant people? calls that you know uh, this person wants to jump off the bridge? They're walking towards the bridge now, and they're gonna jump off, or. Uh, He wants to kill himself, or she wants to kill himself, or they just took, took a bunch of pills, right? Who's left to deal with that? Who responds to that? The police. So not only are you a police officer, but you're a, you're a therapist, you're a psychologist, right? You're, you're a leader, you're a mentor, you're, I mean, lots of hats that you wear. I must have. Uh, but as far as the mental health crisis, it's, it's bad, man. It's, it's, it's bad. So, you know, and, and what do you do? You baker, act, you baker act them. That's what you do. You, What's that? You put them under a law enforcement baker act, and you take them to a psych psychiatric facility to get. You think that that's that that was the mistake when we to uh, get evaluated? 
And that's a, you know, a lot of that's a revolving door too, man. Same people in and out, in and out. Either they ran out of their meds or they're going through a crisis again, you know. So there must be a better and way it's dangerous. to do this. Like it's dangerous because people are very, very unpredictable. Very unpredictable, especially people that have mental health issues. Extremely unpredictable. So you have to be very careful. Do you see like any solutions that are out there right now or anything that you're hearing about that, you know, people are doing to help fix it? Is it yeah, how do we fix that? Yeah. You know, <laughs> what's even the, I, I would say right now, the way the system is just based on my experience and I'm not going to say it's like this nationwide. I'm going to say from where I worked yeah. and from my personal experience, if they reopened state hospitals, you know, and put the people that really needed to not be on the street, but did not deserve to be in jail, that would be the best option. Because you can't just medicate people and throw them on the street. And that's what's pretty much happening now. They medicate people, say, hey, take your meds. You think they're going to take their meds? No. They're not. And now you have schizophrenic, you have bipolar, you have all kinds of disorders. You know, and it's dangerous, man. No, because you, you ask them as as if they were able to do that. Like if they have issues, they have issues. They they can't they can't have the discipline to to do that sometimes. Right. So you know, and and what's the sub what's the uh, substitute for that? They they have group homes. Like you'll see in a lot of the low you know low poverty you know low income areas, poverty stricken areas, they have group homes. So you get a call to this house, and it's it's a house with a bunch of rooms, but it, it's pretty much mental health clients that are living in there. Really? Some of them are court ordered to be there. So that's kind of like a buffer in between, but it's still not enough. Wait, so so they're, they're, they're being distributed their medications in some sort of way, right? But a lot of them leave, walk out, yeah, you know, and you're, you're dealing with them again, so. Huh. So if we can re- reopen some state hospitals and really get the people that really need to be in there but shouldn't be in jail, I think that would help. I think that would put a uh, put a dent in the problem. Absolutely. Why did we do, did, did we close that? I don't know. When when was can you can you check when we closed when we closed the state hospital for yeah, for that cuz I, I it was the same thing in Canada. I think we we closed them all and, and I think that's that's how the homeless problem came across like everywhere at the same time. Uh, so a lot of homeless, you know, and, and when you're dealing with homeless, you know, I know a lot of people feel bad, and, and, and it's it's humane to feel bad. Oh, it's uh, the that, worst. That, that, that's, that's, a, that's a good feeling to have because you're, you're humanitarian. Do you feel like but we don't, fail them but don't, like every time you see but, one? No, but don't let your feelings cloud your judgment. A lot of them have mental health issues. I'm not saying all. A lot of them have mental health issues, and a lot of them are very unpredictable. And a lot of them carry weapons, from knives to blades to needles. So you have to be very careful, you know, especially like letting them in your car and taking them to a show. I mean, you don't want to be doing that. No, no. You know, but people do it. People are like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, come in my car with my kids and, yeah, we'll take it to the shelter. No, don't do that. Don't do that. There's that's, resources. That's dangerous for you. Absolutely. You're putting yourself in a very precarious situation. No, but what I mean what I mean by when I... So mean, what I'm saying is don't let your feelings cloud your judgment. Absolutely. Feel bad, that's fine. But don't make shitty decisions. Yes. Because you're dealing with very unpredictable people. Yes. No, I, I agree. <clears throat> I, yeah. what, I, what I was saying is is as... Uh, I feel like... 
it bugs me when I see those guys or, or those women's majority guys. Mm. And I feel like as a, as a society, as a gang, as, as a group, we, we kind of failed. Like we, there's some of us that are there. They, they haven't been dealt the right cards or whatever. And then for some reason they ended up there and then we have like nothing. We, we have no solution. It's a double-edged sword, man, because, you know, th there are solutions. But if we're talking about the homeless, and I'll, I'll give you a, a, a prime example, and it's back to what I was saying. Yeah, we, we feel bad. We want to help, right? But if we're constantly bringing them food and giving them clothes and giving them resources, what is the initiative for them to change? And the incentives is to stay there. Because the incentive is for them to stay there because they know every Tuesday they're going to get five-star treatment, <laughs> right? They're going to get food and new clothes. And so, I mean, what, what, is uh, the, what is the benefit to changing? Yeah, it's so, so a lot, you know, it's not all of them, but a lot work the system, right? It's more comfortable. It's easy. Well, it's I know I'm going to eat because I have a shelter right there. I know I'm going to shower because I can go there. I know that on Tuesdays they're going to bring me breakfast and new shoes and socks, right? So... Right, it, it has to be both ways. And then these people don't care if it's just like a few times, like a, a week or something that they, they change or they, sh they shower. They don't care, man. They don't care. No. So it has to be on both sides. It has to be less enabling. Huh. Let's not enable so much, and let's put in 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 motion a way to really help these people. Get so, them, get them stable, stabilized. Get them into housing. Get them in, have a roof over their head, right? Or get them into an institution. A lot of them should be institutionalized, at least the ones that I've dealt with. Seems a little bit like to, uh, a little bit more of tough love is. It would, I could think be tough the, love would would go the kind of solution that, that it would be part of the solution. Yeah, I think the enabling has to stop on some degree. It's it's wild that it be because it seems it's just like, like anything you, you you know, it's just like an animal, man. You put out milk for a cat, right? or food for a dog, or food for a wild animal, what's their reason to hunt? If they know that they could come here every day and eat. That's not saying that the, these people I'm are not animals. saying that, right. <laughs> I'm just giving a, I'm yeah, giving yeah. a, an example, right? Yeah. Of the enabling. I'm an, I'm enabling this. Yeah, because we follow Being incentives. to come here every single day to eat. So what is the initiative to get up and get a fucking job? Just like the the bear, what's the initial what's, what's the initiative to go out and hunt? Why I know I could just ransack somebody's fucking camp that's camping, and they got all this food cooking. Yeah, right. It makes yeah, sense. No, it makes it's sense. the same shit, man. It's, it's I mean we're we're all, you know. I know people's feelings are very sensitive. I'm not I'm not animalizing people. What I'm saying is the enabling aspect. If we constantly enable, there's no initiative to do what you got to do to survive. Where do you draw the line, though? As far as what? As far as um, the level of help that we should provide, like those those guys or whatever. Like, because uh, right now it seems like we're try we're doing too much. This is this is my. I think I think it's too easy to be out or whatever to. Does that make sense? Or, or I did, like I said, I think there needs to be more focus on stabilizing than enabling. It's a huge difference. Because yeah. I could come and feed you every day, but what is that doing for you? Well, it, it that's just getting me, you fed. Keeps me on the street. And it though. keeps you on the street because you know if you're here every day, you're going to eat. 
Yeah. So where's the initiative for you to take it upon yourself or at least get guidance to go in the right direction? It's not going to happen. So we need to do less enabling, more stabilization. Let's, let's look at these people. Let's get their story. Let's find out who they are, what they're about, what are their issues, what are the meds that they're on. Should they even be on the street? Are they even qualified mentally to live on their own, right? Are they qualified mentally uh, to, to, to be in housing or, or some sort of government assistance? Or are they, their mental capacity is, is so far gone that they should be institutionalized? This, the evaluations need to happen. You can't just take a bunch of people, medicate them, and throw them on the street and then let resources enable them to stay there. That's pretty much what's happening. That's what I've seen. That's what I've seen. So there has to be, like I said, less enabling, more geared towards stabilization. Let's get them off the street. Let's get them a roof over their head or let's get them into an institution where they should be. Some of them. Do you have, uh, are there plans to bring people onto the force that are uh, conducting some of those or do you feel like that should sit with a different part of the the city? Um, I think that... uh, I think it's both between the private organizations and the and the local police departments. You know, there has to be a, a cohesion there, a, a team effort. Yeah. Who's who's evaluating the the mental capacity of of those of those person? I mean, I don't know, and I'm not going to speak uh, of things that I don't know. What I can tell you is that when a person is uh, in a mental health crisis and a police officer responds and does the initial evaluation, um, that initial evaluation is to to determine, is this person a danger to themselves or a danger to others, right? Are they capable of taking care of themselves or can they not, right? Because to Baker Act somebody doesn't necessarily mean that they are uh, mentally ill. It can be somebody that is just totally incapable of even taking care of themselves, right? And they just need they need the uh they need the, the catalyst to get the next level of care and evaluation. And that's where law enforcement comes in. So law enforcement's doing a great job because they go out, they make contact with this person, they do the initial evaluation, and then we determine, all right, is this person good to go? Or do we need to take them to the next level of care? So at that point that's when you make that decision. So let's say, all right, I've figured out that you're probably a danger to yourself in the public. You haven't taken your meds. You're, you're speaking things that aren't making sense. You don't know what day it is. You don't, don't know who the president is. You don't, I mean, you don't even know what year it is, right? Yeah, I think you need to go That's when you, you get evaluated, the, right? So then we right, okay. put, we'd put them into custody. We'd take them to the hospital, <laughs> and then we would put them into the psych section of the hospital, and then that's where they would be evaluated by a doctor. And then that doctor would make the decision. Either they need the next level of care, psychological care, or they're free to go. I mean, it, at that point, it's on the doctors. So they, they're the professionals at that do you point. Know we do the initial contact. Once they, once they go there, the doctors make the decision from that point. That's what they specialize in. Do you know any um, any of the decision process for the doctor to escalate more, or you don't know anything? Yeah, it just I don't. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but um, it would. I'm assuming it, it's based on the history of the client. It's based on uh, the diagnosis. You know what what the person has been diagnosed with. 
what meds are they on? You know, they have it, all that information. Is it a psychiatrist uh, uh, that that is going to go in to evaluate those? Most likely, yes. Most likely, yeah. Also, that's why I wanted. To, um, there's a friend of mine in Quebec that we um, we're going to talk to. It's um, that's what he does. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Get the next part of the picture. Huh? Yeah. Get the next part of the picture. Well, that'd be cool, no? Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of it, man. They'll go in, they'll they'll be in there, and uh, then they'll get evaluated. And then they decide what happens at that point. If, if they decide that they need the next level of care, then they'll be moved to another branch of the psychiatric uh, stabilization area for however long they deem necessary. And then from that point, then they decide what they're going to do. Are they going to put them back out on the street, medicate them? Are they going to put them in some sort of a group home? I mean, at that point, I don't... You don't know how that works. You know, you know, we don't know because pretty much the law enforcement's job is to evaluate, make sure that they fit the criteria, right, and get them to the next level of care. After that, that's it. After that, you see them on the street. In we'll see them weeks. again in a few days. And so, like I said, it's a revolving door. So, so that's why there needs to be some sort of stabilization. So then, so on. then the the the. The, the step further, there's something that is it should happen is not happening to take care of those people sort of not in the street then. So then there must be some there must be some 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 sort of incentives um, that the psychiatrists have or that the hospital have or whatever the the next step is. I don't know that that is is, is not happening. How 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 is that working? How is that you know like because the the. You bring them to the place that's supposed to take care of them and help and, and figure it out like what they need, right? And then I mean, they get them stabilized, right? They get them stabilized. Yeah, but how does that? But what then, does that mean? Then they're like, put back uh, out. Then they're put back to the same situation. Is it just the and end of it, the and high? Then, and then it happens again. When you when you say to get them stabilized, are they just waiting for them to get down of the high? Like, is well, how does I mean, that work? Some of them, some of them are off their medications, and some of them need to go in to get their meds. Right, and then they'll get their meds again for another month, and then either they'll take them or somewhere in between. They'll slip then up and then they'll slip up and forget, and then they're back out on the street again, and they're in traffic or they're doing some crazy shit or they're calling and saying they want to kill themselves. You know, this is this is what we deal with. Because so. it does seems like it's increasing. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, it's it's out of control. Seems like a, b a big problem, especially in the cities that have these issues, which is every major city, or small cities with big crime. Yeah. Huh. Is it is it is it worse in the, in small city with big crime or like uh, in a in a major city like normal major city like not Chicago or whatever, but like I'm sure it's it's uh it's comparable all around the board. Yeah. Obviously, it's going to be on a larger scale in a bigger city. But I can guarantee you that police around the nation are dealing with the same issues. And they probably all have the same take on what's going on. There needs to be some something that happens, man. Because Do you know of anyone that has like some nice, nice proposition of solution of, uh, of some sort of... No, I mean, like, like I said, I mean, I would like to see the re... You know, the re... Uh, It said that, like, the reopening of... The reopening of some institutions, man, to put people in there and get them, like, stabilized or, you know, house them, you know? give Because some of them need to be under constant care. I mean, they should not be out on the street. 
Yeah, I was reading that it was like within around the 50s or 60s they started um, deinstitutionalization. I'm not saying that right. Institutional. Thank you. Inst- institutionalization. Yes. Was it because yeah. of like the lobotomies and all that? Uh, more so from briefly what I saw was cost cutting measures. So, yeah, I mean, that's fair. Money, if, if the, it's money if the resources aren't there or if they can't pay the staff or the people that need to be trained to take care of these people. I mean, no one's there to pick up where it's slipping. But where's and the resources, not, though? But there's resources, man. There's state funding. There's, you know, there's state funding. There's federal funding. There's nonprofits. I mean, there, you know, for them to say it's a funding issue, the funding is there. I mean, they'll find the money. They find the money for everything else. So it just, it just needs to be a movement. You know, it has to be. Uh, it has to be interesting. You know, well, it has to catch could. catch the attention of people, and you know, it needs to happen. I mean, I see it all the time. I mean, I was just coming down here. I get off the highway. There's a guy, man, side of the road. You know, you know, he's got mental health issues. You know, he's on the side of the road. He's, you know, it's sad. Yeah, a friend of mine it's, it's saw, very uh, showed me one. Apparently, he's a popular guy in Fort Lauderdale. He's on a wheelchair, and he's missing a, he's missing a limp or something. Have some, some more water, uh, too. Some more water, yeah. Yeah, appreciate it. Nice. Yeah, he was uh, missing. Uh, he was he's on a wheelchair and he was missing a limp or something. He was missing a leg, and this guy. Um, there's a video of him, and um, he's on uh, the he's on the train track, and he's like the train is coming. The guy is on the wheelchair on the train track. Apparently, that's how he lost his leg for some reason, and he's on the train track. And you see it on the video. He's fucking. Um, getting the right angle to not like get sc- completely screwed up, but you get you get hit, the the wheelchair get hits by the train, on on the side just just a little bit, and then he he fell out. He just for some reason thought it was funny. <laughs> he was just hanging out there. <laughs> Buddy of mine, show show me that. Apparently he's uh he, right here in Fort Lauderdale on Broward Boulevard. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, man. Like. There's something wrong. Like you uh, absolutely. cannot have absolutely your whole head if you're on a wheelchair. That's how you lo- you lost your leg, yeah. and you're getting hit on purpose by the train. Something's not right. Like fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't be on the streets, man. I don't want to. Even in my yeah. car, I don't want to get hit by the train. Imagine yeah. no car. <laughs> I, I you know like I said before, I think we need to focus more on uh, stabilizing, proper placement, and less on enabling. And I think I think that would that would start to really make an impact and then, you know, get these institutions back, back open, get the funding. The funding's there. Where, where do you see that going though? Do you think uh, there could be an opportunity for the private sector to come in and, uh, maybe and partner up and, and, and operate those things? Absolutely. There's always opportunity. That could be, that could you be know? interesting though. No? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Needs to happen though. Yeah, because it's a it's a problem. It's a huge it's a huge burden, man. It's not only a burden on the public, but it's a burden on 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 local police departments. It's huge. It's huge. It's a huge issue, you know. And 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 for a while there, they're talking about, hey, let's 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 have civilians respond to these calls. You know, remember remember that whole thing. It's not a good idea. It's not a good idea. You're dealing with unpredictable people. You know, it's not a good idea. Listen, I'm going to tell it how it is. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You know. You're, you're going to a call because somebody is thinking about hurting themselves or others. Probably a call for the police to go to that has some level of training. Yeah. And has intermediate weapons and, and the ability to, you know, control people. 
obviously there's there's times for other people to come in, but I would say upon first contact, it should always be the police because you just never know what's going to happen. It's too unpredictable. It's too unpredictable. That's a huge liability. I don't agree with it. Yeah, me either. It's, and then the the, the most hilarious hilarious thing is <laughs> every seems like everywhere that that promoted the defund the police things. Now they have all of those problems, and they have to increase funding into the police. And <laughs> hey, you, you you can't fix stupid, man. That's my take on it. <laughs> you can't fix stupid. So. Uh. James, we've been uh, talking for two hours. Should we wrap this it's up? It's two hours know? already. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's uh, what's what's the next? Because uh, I don't want. I know you have a little bit of a drive, so I don't want to keep you up too long. I'm good, man. Uh, it is fun. It's fun though. Like, yeah. let's do that again for sure. Absolutely. Um, what's what's next with uh, with the business? What's uh, do you have other project coming up? Do you have other other thing coming up? What's uh, what's going on? Uh, just trying to scale right now with with. Uh, with Jits Life, that's the brand, Jits Life brand. Um, that's it, man. And trying to bring, uh, over the next year, I'm going to start trying to bring production to the States because right now I'm producing outside of the United States, so I'd like to bring production to the United States. Um, that way we have a U.S.-made product, you know, quality and quality pricing too. So that's that's the game plan for the next year. Nice. Um, so we should hit that mark. Yeah. And in the meantime, you know, go check it out. Of course. What's yep. your What's your website? Where Where can we find you? So it's uh, my Shopify, Jits Life brand. How do you spell it? J i t z l i f e. Nice. So we, yeah, we're gonna put the, the link. Yeah, we'll whatever, put the link but on. This is, you know, for people that listen. Yep. listen and then to for it. the firearms training, allamericanfirearmsacademy.com. Nice. Yeah, we should check that out. Yeah. yeah. I would actually very much like to. Yeah, let's do it. Some training. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, I'd love to do that. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have a thanks, blast. dude. It was uh, it was a blast. It was very cool to to get to talk to you and get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, I want to uh, end. I want to end with a uh, a little quote here. Okay, cool. Go ahead. If you don't mind. No, oh, don't mind at all. Let's see if I can pull it up. Is this a quote that, that you say? Often no, no. Or? This is actually a poem from. Uh, okay. My buddy sent it to me and it inspired me. Mm-hmm. In what way? <sighs> I guess I'll see. All right, you're going to say to Shut never, the fuck up on never quit. <laughs> I'm looking for out here. Let's see if I can get this up. I'm really excited to go do the training. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be fun. He sold it good. So this is a, uh, I'm not going to tell you who it's by, but this is a. Why not? It's a secret. I'm going to tell you after. Okay, cool. Are you ready? Yeah. I will persist until I succeed. I was not delivered onto this world in defeat, nor does failure course in my veins. I am not a sheep waiting to be prodded by my shepherd. I am a lion, and I refuse to talk, to walk, to sleep with the sheep. I will hear not those who weep and complain, for their disease is contagious. Let them join the sheep. The slaughterhouse of failure is not my destiny. I will persist until I succeed. The prizes of life are at the end of each journey, not near the beginning, and it is not given to me to know how many steps are necessary in order to reach my goal. Failure I may still encounter at the thousandth step, yet success hides behind the bend in the road. Never will I know how close it lies unless I turn the corner. Always will I take another step, 
If that is of no avail, I will take another and yet another. In truth, one step at a time is not too difficult. I will persist until I succeed. Henceforth, I will consider each day's effort as but one blow of my blade against a mighty oak. The first blow may cause not a tremor in the wood, nor the second, nor the third. Each blow of itself may be trifling and seem of no consequence. Yet from childish swipes, the oak will eventually tumble. So it will be with my efforts of today. I will be likened the raindrop which washes away the mountain, the ant who devours a tiger, the star which brightens the earth, the slave who builds a pyramid. I will build my castle one brick at a time, for I know that small attempts repeated will complete any undertaking. I will persist until I succeed. I will never consider defeat, and I will remove from my vocabulary such words and phrases as quit, cannot, unable, impossible, out of the question, improbable, failure, unworkable, hopeless, and retreat. For they are the words of fools. I will avoid despair, but if the disease of the mind should infect me, then I will work on in despair. I will toil and I will endure. I will ignore the obstacles at my feet and keep mine eyes at the goals above my head. For I know that where the desert ends, green grass grows. I will persist until I succeed. Ogmondino. Yeah, that's good. That's some powerful shit right there, man. Yeah. Woo! Gets me fi- <laughs> that shit gets me fired up, dog. What'd you say to yourself in the morning? That shit gets me fired up. Wow. Woo! Yeah. Take Damn. that. Sleep on that. That's good. I can say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I did that the other day. I did a, a TikTok on that, man, and... uh yeah, it's it's pretty. It's powerful. It's pretty powerful shit. So my my buddy sent that to me after a jujitsu class. He sent it to me, and I was like, man, that's. I got I got to read this. I got to put something out about this. So that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Good words to live by. Absolutely. Cool. All right. So don't quit. No. Never. I don't want to quit. I like this too much. Don't quit on anything. Nothing. <laughs> Especially shit you believe in. Well, yeah, if you don't believe in it, then then quit. (laughs) 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 Fucking do something else, you know? Oh, man, pick out a uh, a shirt you want. Okay, cool. A few in there for you. How about the last one? Let's see what other ones are in there. Oh, Oh, yeah, there's the rash guard. Let me see the rash guard. What? Yeah, those are the MMA shorts. Okay. This is a samurai. Oh, fucking. Samurai version. And then the rash guard is on the bottom. Oh, this? Yeah. So I make those, so it's belt rank. Mm -hmm. So this is the purple belt. Yeah. Oh, okay. If you notice the belt. So if it's a blue belt, it would be blue. If it's white belt, white, black belt, black. Oh, I kind of like this one, too. Nobody care. It works out. Good fight. That one's nice, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Choices, man. I'm gonna buy the samurai short store. Because <laughs> uh, I got a samurai gi, so I guess I, uh, I'm gonna go samurai on the whole thing. We'll talk. We'll talk about it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Cool. 
Well, let's wrap this up. Thanks, James. Absolutely. It was cool. Man.